great job. This morning, as we continue in the book of Mark, I'm going to look at verses 1 through 20. I'm just going to read the first verse, and then we're going to move down through the text. Uh, but I want to take a minute and just mention to you guys don't know. Um, Tracy's dad is on the, well, he's near death, and the family, of course, is uh, there. We just need to remember them in prayer. Um, it's hard people that we love and also caught word mark's been dealing with a fever for a month or two and he's at home as well um, and there's a lot more need and it just seems i want y'all start that you know we all have need but god has not forgotten and neither have we so anyway i say that i'm gonna read this one verse and we're gonna jump in mark chapter 5 verse 1 they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Let's pray. God, there are times where you call us to go to the other side. And what we think we will find there, Lord, many times that's not what we find. But regardless, we're on the other side. And I just pray this morning as we look this event in Jesus' life and that of his disciples today, uh, may I see may it didn't change their lives. I just pray that you would speak, uh, Father, through your word. Um, and Father, speak not because of me, but in spite of me. And may your spirit be evident here today. Thank you for each one here. And Father, we just long to see you. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, if you remember what happened the last time that I spoke, oh, and by the way, I, I want to thank Dave and Scott both. Uh, I got a chance to listen to both the messages and were a blessing. Uh, and so just grateful that we have guys among us who love the Lord and are willing to serve Him and use their gifts for God. It, it means a lot. Okay, let me jump in this thing. Remember what happened last time. Jesus said, guys, we've got to go to the other side. It's constant ministry. And I can't imagine, I mean, wouldn't it be awesome to see Jesus healing people and, and see Jesus speaking? It's obvious that God is there. And, 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 you know, after a while, I tell you what, you might even just get tired. God, your presence is so powerful and, and so strong. And I'm just getting worn out, Lord. And, and Jesus is like, we got to go to the other side. And so you guys remember what happened. They start off and... Then they get, I don't know, maybe in the middle of the lake, and then all of a sudden the storm comes. Jesus is asleep, and, well, you know, they just thought they were going to die. The boat's filling up with water. It's not looking too good. Uh, they wake Jesus up. Lord, don't you know what's happening? We're going to die. And, of course, we know what happens. Jesus says, hush! And the storm gets calm. And then it says, now we're really afraid. Why? Because it went from the storm that seemed like it was going to take their life to seeing that Jesus stepped into their lives at the time of their greatest need, at the time of death. He was there and it scared them because they saw Jesus. They saw, really saw Jesus. Okay, so here's where we are. We come to chapter 5 and you know what? They're tired. 
Lord, you just about wore me out. Saving me, taking care of me, all this changing lives, transforming, forgiving people. We need a retreat. So, Lord, uh, will you please give us some rest? So, here we are. Let's look at our text and let's see what kind of rest they get. Uh, Verse 2, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. So they expect to find some rest. Instead, where they land is a graveyard. Tombs in the side of the cliffs. And a guy is heading toward them who is out of his mind. He is a madman. And we learn through the text, he is possessed by demons. And Jesus shows up. Jesus does not get upset. He does not have high anxiety. No anxiety attack for Jesus Christ. He handles it calmly. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And you know, it's interesting. So often when God works... We think it's an interruption. Well, I got my schedule. This is what I'm going to do today. Here are the five things that have to be accomplished, Lord. Here are my plans. And God just interrupts. But when God interrupted, he stepped in and changed everything as he faced the demonic. Now, I I want to look here in this text, and we're just going to briefly go over some facts about demons. I want to hopefully spend a lot of time in the application So pray for me that I won't ramble so I can get to that part because i got a lot here, okay? First fact is this superhuman strength that is revealed. This is a guy, he was scary, man. This looks like something it would be so easy to make a horror movie about. You know, at the movies, I mean, this crazy guy, he's running around and, and they're so worried about him. The town gets together, gets all the guys together. They try to find ways to subdue him. We'll tie him up with ropes. We'll chain him up. But they can't hold him. He has superhuman strength. Why? Because of the demons that have possessed him have given this superhuman strength to him. And so that's, that's what we read about in the first couple of verses. The chains won't hold the madman. <laughs> Secondly, we see that the demons were persistently cruel. Look at verse 3 in our text. It tells us this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore with a chain. And uh, then drop down here to verse 5. He says, Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones so the second thing that we see in that verse first of all man it never ended he was constantly tortured he was under the control and the power of the devil and it was constant torment it never stopped see that that's what the devil wants to do he wants to hurt you He doesn't care about you. He never cared about any of us. He wants to hurt us. 
And that's what we see in the next part of the verse is this guy was cutting himself constantly. He was like a living sacrifice for the demons. His, they would uh, command him to cut himself. And it reminded me in Elijah's day. Remember when they had the big showdown with the prophets of Baal. And they were cutting themselves with stones as they cried out to their gods. The devil tormented day and night full time in this guy's life. And I want you to notice these demons recognized Jesus. Uh, drop down, we'll start at verse 6. It says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, this man, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. All these townspeople together could not subdue the guy. He was like a wild animal with super strength, and they couldn't stop. They would bind him up, and he'd break free. But when he saw Jesus, he ran toward him. And I can imagine the disciples had a little bit of a conflict. I imagine there was a part of the disciples that said, we're running another way. This guy's crazy. But the conflict is, what just happened to him? A storm could have taken him out. Jesus, one word. The storm stopped. So even so, though I think there was probably this desire in them to take off the other way as quick as possible, they remembered what Jesus did and that Jesus is powerful. And this madman, he's running toward him, and suddenly there's a recognition, and he falls to his knees as he sees Christ and knows his majesty. Secondly, they tremble at his power. Look at verse 7, the response that he gives. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High These demons, they knew that they were in trouble, that Jesus had the power to destroy them. So what was their response? What did they ask? And in verse 10, we, we read about that. It says they begged Jesus and again and again not to send them out of the area. Why? Because they knew. They didn't know details but they, they know the scriptures too. The devil knows the Bible. Don't kid yourself. And they knew that a time of judgment was on the horizon. That it would come one day. And they didn't want it to be now. <laughs> you know, it's like, Jesus, uh, I want an alternative plan here. Uh, in, instead of just, you know, coming out and be disembodied. How about sending us into these pigs? And so bound by the will of Christ. What happened? Verses 11 and 12. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go in to them. So he gave permission. Verse 13. He gave them permission. The evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. It's interesting, one commentator talked about verse 13 here. He said there's five verbs that are used. The first four verbs are at a fast pace. There's a picture that it's happening quickly. But then the last verb is a picture of things going in slow motion. 
So you have all these events that are occurring, and suddenly these pigs go into the water. It's like slow motion watching these pigs drown. And in the midst of that, Jesus had some lessons. What lessons did he have? Why, why did he send those demons into the pigs? Why didn't he just wipe them out there? Why did he agree with that request? Well, I think he had some object lessons to teach. And so we'll look at three of those real quickly as I go through this. First, it was a proof he sets people free. He set this man free. Now think about it. At first, man, it's crazy. You got 2,000 pigs going wacko. And they run off this cliff. And everybody's going, wow, look at that. And they're, they're fixed completely on these swine. And they're watching them drown. It's like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And then they turn around and they see something crazier. The madman is suddenly sitting in his right mind. Something's happened. Something they've never seen before has happened. The guy that everybody was scared of, the guy that everybody run from, he's not the same guy. He's been forgiven. He has been set free. Second object lesson or important truth is it was an object lesson to the city. You know what? They never cared about the guy. These demons went into the pigs. So, you know, God's just trying to say, I'm the one who cares about you. You'll look other places. You'll try to give your allegiance and your heart to others. But ultimately, I am the one who made you. I am the one who cares about you. And these, these demons, Satan, he makes all these bold promises, but they're all empty. They're all empty. And then third, the third picture, an act of judgment. Hey, um, Gadara was known as a black market for pork. Now, I don't pretend to be an expert on Jews, but I do know they're not supposed to be eating ribs and uh, BLTs. You know, they're supposed to stay away from the pork. And yet, this was a black market for the pork. And it's almost like God was saying, this is not supposed to be in your life. And so, he took it out of their lives. So, it was a picture of the judgment that comes. You know, the things that we invest, I heard from David's sermon last Sunday, you know, to make investments in things that last. And so many of the things we invest in, they don't last. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about there's only one foundation that lasts. Everything else will burn up, and it will disappear. It will not be eternal. And so these pigs were part of that as God was trying to make a point to those people in the city. Let's slow down here and look at the saving work of Christ. Look at uh, verses 14 and 15 again. Those tending the pigs ran off <laughs> and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. You, you, you know, 
memory. You have the disciples. They were out in a boat. They were afraid of the storm. But then after Jesus spoke, they were more afraid. Here, they were terrified of this demon-possessed man with his super strength that was running around causing all these problems. Mothers were scared for their children. Can't play outside. It's not safe. All that kind of stuff. And now they're even more afraid. Why? Because they see the power of the living God and that they are in his presence and they were afraid. This man's in his right mind. And I want you to notice what Jesus says to this guy. Look at verses 18 and 19. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Here's a guy who was controlled by the devil. He was broken. He had all these gashes all over his body where the demons had prompted him to inflict these cuts now he's different and he doesn't want to stay where he's been he wants to go with jesus he understands he's been healed he understands he's been forgiven and he doesn't want to ever leave the one who saved him who rescued him who delivered him but jesus said no and he gave him some uh he gave him some very specific orders. Look what he says, what, what he tells them. Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You know, so often we think, God's going to call me to the mission field. I'm going to be out in the bush. And Well, he might. I don't know what God's going to do. I mean, he is Lord. But I think when he gets a hold of us, First, he tells us to go to the place that we just naturally go to the most, home. To the people in our family, to show them Christ. I want you to see something in verse 20. It's such a sad, sad verse. So the man went away and began to tell him of the copolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Uh, well, that's a good verse. I, verse 17. Look at it. That's one I wanted you to see. Verse 17, it says, Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their city. What happened? Jesus exposed their sin. You guys are a bunch of black market swine dealers. You're not supposed to be doing that. They wanted Jesus to go, to leave. And so what happened? Jesus left. But he left behind an evangelist that was on fire. This evangelist was changing that whole area, the whole Decapolis. As he, as he went out and he shared with these, in these ten cities, as, as Jesus had gotten a hold of him, as Jesus had began to change him, and would work through his life. Man, I got through that faster than I thought. Thank you, Jesus. Now I come to the application. This is about spiritual warfare. 
This is about a man who was under the control of the enemy and Jesus set him free. And the simple fact of the matter is we are constantly in a spiritual battle that we are engaged in. And I want to look at it from a different point of view than usually we preach because I had one of those God encounters this week. Sometimes, or last week, Sometimes God encounters are, oh, God, thank you for delivering me. Let me give you this wonderful testimony. This isn't one of those. But I want to share it with you. Look at the application. We have it up here. (laughs) Number one. Well, actually, got it backwards here. Number one should be be alert. Number one. Be alert or be aware. Be alert and be aware. Uh, turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. Paul talking to to the church at Corinth and says if you forgive anyone I also forgive him and what I have forgiven if there was anything to forgive <laughs> I forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of his scheming the apostle Paul is saying here we have to be careful because the enemy is constantly trying to separate us He is constantly trying to build walls and and barriers to keep us from being His and to keep us from being the church and being on mission for the church. He's always doing this. And, And Paul is saying, do not let bitterness get in there. Be willing to forgive. Remember the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Be a little humble and be willing to reach out be patient with one another, all this stuff. And he says, why is this? Because I do not want the devil to outwit us, to destroy us with his methodology, with his schemes. Now, my experience, uh, man, it was crazy Sunday for us. We found out that we were going to be having the party for Cindy's 90th birthday at his church, and it was homecoming. So uh, we had a quartet to listen to and preaching and two sets of music and then we had a big meal. And then after we had the big meal, we had a couple hours and we had to come back and eat again, all for the glory of God, right? So, whew. And uh, anyway, all this stuff went on. But God spoke to me in, in that first service. You know, the preacher there, man, he is such a good speaker. It's so funny because I've told you all that for years I used to listen to Chuck Swindoll See, I listened to him so much, I called him Uncle Chuck. And uh, this guy had the same inflections as Chuck Swindoll. It was weird. And so afterward, uh, Cindy had kind of mentioned it when we went to eat. You sound a lot like Chuck Swindoll. And, and it's like, oh, okay. And, and, of course, I'll be honest with you. I was sitting there. I was thinking, this guy's listened to a lot of Chuck Swindoll. You just don't get that inflection by accident. You know, but anyway, all right, I've, I've confessed. I'm, let's move on with that. So he got up, and and he was speaking, and like I said, he's an eloquent speaker. 
and it hurt me. Because what began to happen, what I, what I saw, um, it, it was a bigger church than, than our church and, and more space, and they had a bigger stage, and they had all kind of instruments on the stage and, and, and you know, a, a lot of music, all that stuff. And, and then, of course, this quartet from Oklahoma, they did a good job. But then the preacher got up there, and he started talking about faith, and, and he started talking as if faith and science are fighting each other. And then, to be honest with you, what I saw is he was trying to hold on to his turf. He was preaching defensively, like what we got to do is have it like it was yesterday, or 10, or, or 20 years ago. And we have to go back to those good old days, where we have to maintain that greatness from the good old days. And, and so anyway, guys, we got out of church. Um, my nephew, some other, a couple of other people, younger people in my family, they were grumbling. Oh, I'll never go to that church. I can't believe, you know. He said, and, and look, I don't think the preacher had any idea what had happened. I believe it was a scheme of the evil one. What was happening? Without realizing it, this brother in the Lord was blind to a barrier that was separating this group of people who maybe maybe could have, have been reached there, but the barrier pushed them out, and, and, and he couldn't even see it. They were saying, oh, we just need those days, and these other people said, well, we don't know if those days were so good. What did they really need? They really needed to know Christ, and they needed to be connected to a people who knows Christ and loves them, and they need to be considered instead of trying to so desperately hold on to what was in the past. And so anyway, through thinking of all that, I wrote down this statement. I put it in purple so I wouldn't miss it because I've already missed other stuff. May we not be blind to the barriers that arise in church, whether they are real or perceived. Instead, let us be bridge. Let us be bridge builders. Listen, the devil's smart. He's got a strategy. The, the scripture never says he's dumb. As a matter of fact, he's willing to build a wall or a barrier brick by brick. God wants us to be close to him and close with each other so that we can be aware, we can be alert of what may be being built. What barriers may arise among us and we don't even see it. And so people aren't here because they don't understand. They don't feel welcome. They don't feel like we really care about how they feel. And there's a disconnection. There's a barrier and we don't see it. And it's like, God, spare Kingsway. Spare me. Spare these good people from barriers. Instead, may we be bridge builders. So we've got to be alert. That's, that's where it starts, guys. Secondly, is to be prepared. Uh, turn me to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. Hadn't been that long ago. Uh, I think Samantha had taught this uh, on spiritual warfare. And she did a great job, I'm sure. I'm not a lady, so I couldn't, couldn't get in there. But uh, Okay, enough of that. Uh, 10 and 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
So what is he saying here? He's saying be prepared. Now, oftentimes when we think about being prepared, we got this idea, I mean, I, I, I always do this, I preach this way, is, is, you know, it's a thing just between me and God. I, I got to put on this spiritual armor so I can be directly right with God and so that I can see God and worship God effectively and clearly. But as I got to thinking about it from this viewpoint, it began to occur to me, maybe putting on the armor also means not only clearly seeing God, but seeing people. People that need to be near. People that need to be among us. And seeing barriers that we haven't seen. And being humble and willing enough to say, God, maybe I'm fond of this barrier, but I really love these other people more. I really want them to be here. I really want to worship with them. I, you know, guys, I love you guys. I have been here, I think, 17 years. And I'll be honest, you know, as far as doing this live thing, I don't really want to do the live thing without you. I love you guys. And you know what I think? I think I'm not the only one who would feel that way if they were here. If they were among us. If they were with us. And so, I guess what I'm asking, if God has called you here, if you are a part of Kingsway, it's not by accident. God brought us all here together, this mix of people, and he did that for a specific reason, and I believe that he wants us to be serious about this matter of asking the question, God, am I a bridge builder? Or God, are there barriers that maybe I have not seen and, and maybe you want to awaken me to? And this is not something I can do by myself. It is something we as the body of Christ at Kingsway Baptist Church need to do together. And as the leadership of the church, we need to ask some of these questions. God, what can I do, Lord, to see? To see possible barriers that can be removed. God, help me. I'll take them out brick by brick, however slow, whatever. I just want to do it on your timetable. But I want to do it so people can be here and so that people can see Christ. I mean, it scared me to death that this church, it's bigger, it's got so many good qualities, and yet I hear people in my own family who are not even giving them a chance because there were barriers that had been built, walls that had been placed that had removed the opportunity for that church with those people to be a bridge builder. May God spare us from that. May He awaken us to Himself. And I believe that's what it means to be prepared. And he continually, he continually wants us to build bridges. And the devil continually wants to put up barriers so we can't build bridges. So may God help us to see and remove barriers so we can build bridges. Look, we all have preferences. We all have things that we like. And many of those things are, are great. They're good. But you know what's even better? To see God in these among even if it means being a little uncomfortable or a lot uncomfortable. But God wants to move. And it, like I said, it just shook me up. And there's so many good things in this church, but I saw the bears and God spoke to me. And I thought, God, do not let that happen to Kingsway. Or what barriers are here? Lord, help us remove them. Or you remove them. But 
whatever we need to do, do for you. Third, be disciplined. Ephesians 6, 18, you get to the other end of the spiritual armor. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Let me tell you something that's very obvious to me. We never arrive. We never get there. This is a constant battle. Just like that guy was tormented night and day at all times. We are in a constant battle with our enemy who wants to destroy us. Who wants us to fight and cut ourselves apart and blame one another. And build barriers in here and out there and everywhere. And we've seen it through the years in churches. And, and many times I, I know so many people that th they're broken because of a church situation. And that it was not God's will. I know those things happen, but God wants us instead to build bridges. And we need to pray. We need to be disciplined because this battle just goes on. In other words, we are to wake up to the advance of the enemy, to the dart, to that flaming arrow that's headed our way from him. And that leads us uh, to this last point. Be encouraged. Spiritual warfare, one of my favorite verses, James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, I'd like to think I'm a prayer warrior. It seems like the more I pray, the more I wonder. Because it's just so hard. Things I want to see happen, it's, it's, it doesn't happen on my timetable and all that stuff. But you know, before we can resist that devil, oh, I resist the devil and the power, I've got the power of Christ. Yeah, what do you got to do first? You got to submit to God. The first thing you got to do is surrender. Before you start trying to figure out what you're going to do, before you start trying to figure out what barriers have to be removed and how I can build this bridge, the first thing you got to do is get on your face before the living God and say, God, I can't see clearly unless you open my eyes. But be encouraged because he promises when we willingly submit ourselves to him, then we can resist. And the devil said it before but I love it. little Richard remember him way back he got saved and he had this great saying he said whenever the devil reminds me of where I've been I remind him of where he's going yeah I like that listen when we submit to God we can continue that, that verb doesn't just mean resist once it means continually resist when we are submitted to God we are empowered to resist to not live under these walls and barriers, but to be bridge builders for the kingdom of God. Now, you go back to verse 17. Um, these people began to plead for Jesus to leave. I'm going to go the other way with this too. We've got to be bridge builders. God, help us see barriers 
not be blind to barriers. But never forget Jesus. We have to have a strategy. God wants us to move for him. But it's always centered upon Christ. Because no matter what else we got, if we don't have Jesus, it is not going to work or last. I started listening. Uh, Scott had told me about this podcast on the fall of Mars Hill. Anyway, it's about a mega church. A lot of stuff happened and, and things just kind of imploded. And it's so easy for all that to happen in a church. It, it, and we have to be so careful that we don't lose sight of, of Christ and, and, and lose sight of, of his mission and, and following him and, and serving him. And, and these people, they, they were scared and they got mad and they said, Jesus, leave. We're good enough. We can get enough people in here. We don't need, if he's not here, then why are we here? He's got to be here. He's got to be here. You see, some of us would rather have sausage on our plates than the Son of God in our city. Some of us would rather have the grunt of hogs than see the goodness of God. But I pray it's not you. <laughs> and I pray it's not me. One commentator uh, spoke of that area, Gadara. He said, uh, on that seacoast today you'll still find tombs in those rocks, those same graveyards, that same graveyard. And see the bones of people that have been dead for centuries. You also see a wild people there they spoke of called the troglodytes who dwell in the tombs of the cliffs. They are descendants of the people of that day who said, leave our city. And we have no record Jesus ever returned to that city and so as always i offer an altar call uh, whether you're listening online or here in person today jesus is on he's landed on your coast don't ask him to leave i don't know what your stuff is but he does and he is in the business setting people free it's crazy to think this guy that was once a madman is now a master evangelist what a testimony I, I love it you know that verse 20 again he closes it says so the man went away and began to tell in the capitalist the ten cities how much Jesus had done for him and the people were Amazed. He's still looking for people to tell the story of what he's done. That's me. And that's you. What a story. What a story may yet be told to the people. All right. I come to a point. We call it response, invitation. Anyway, it's just a chance to say, God, I've heard and I want to an altar that's open. People on the cross we've been praying for. Uh, others that are on our minds. Maybe God has spoken to you in a, a specific way and you need to share with the body here. Do you come? Let's pray. God, we are grateful for you.
and how you work. Forgive me, God. I'm grateful that my salvation is not based on my performance. Thank you, Jesus. I I pray that you would uh, move here today and uh, that we would simply say yes to your call, whatever that may be. In your name we pray. Amen.